Lesson 76. Hello again. One thing that never ceases to amaze me is how little people know about their DSLR cameras. When my students ask me what's the best camera to use for my classes, I typically tell them a Nikon or Canon DSLR with an 18 to 55 zoom lens. When they ask me what's the difference, I simply tell them that both brands are excellent and very similar to each other with regard to features and price. Both brands offer excellent starter models, like my Nikon D3100 you see here, and you don't need to pay an arm or a leg for the more expensive models. So they purchase their cameras, set the mode dial to auto, and away they go. Since this setting works for most general shooting conditions, they seem to no longer be interested in learning anything else about their camera as long as it takes decent photos. But as anyone who takes their photography seriously can tell you, there's a lot more to the story. And anyone who wants to get the most out of their photographs should take the time to become familiar with the features of their camera and how to use these features to your advantage. So the purpose of this lesson is to introduce you to the DSLR camera and to share with you what I feel are the most basic things everybody should know about this camera and how it all works. So what exactly is a DSLR camera? Well, DSLR is an acronym for Digital Single Lens Reflex, which is in essence a digital version of the old film formatted SLR. There are two very important features of an SLR that make it unique. One is what you see in the viewfinder is exactly what you'll get in the frame, and thereby your shot. This is possible because of a mirror that's placed behind the lens that reflects the scene coming in through the lens into the viewfinder by way of a focusing screen. You will see exactly where the scene begins and ends in the frame, plus what is in and what isn't in focus. The other important feature of a DSLR is the capability of changing lenses. A DSLR is comprised of two parts, the camera body and the camera lens. The advantage to lens interchangeability is that you can choose which lens you want to use by simply removing one lens and replacing it with another. Why you would want to change lenses depends on what you're trying to accomplish. For example, if you're shooting sports shots and want to zoom in very close to the action from a great distance, you'd want to choose a lens that has a long focal length, somewhere in the 200 to 300 millimeter range. The standard lens that comes with most started DSLRs is a zoom lens with a focal length ranging from 18 millimeter, which is wide angle, to 55 millimeter, which is what is referred to as a short portrait or telephoto focal length. With the standard lens, you're somewhat limited in your shooting options although most normal shooting situations can be achieved using an 18 to 55 millimeter lens. There's also a limited macro capability to these lenses, allowing you to get close-up shots of subjects, such as flowers and so on. But if you want to get even closer to your subject, you'd choose a lens that's designed just for that purpose, as in the case of a dedicated macro lens. There are basically two types of lenses for DSLRs, zoom lenses and prime lenses. Zoom lenses allow you to change the focal distance within a certain range as mentioned, without your having to move closer or further away from your subject. Prime lenses, on the other hand, have only one focal distance, which means that you have to move either closer or further away from your subject to change the composition, instead of zooming from where you're standing. The advantage to prime lenses is that they're typically brighter than zoom lenses due to a larger aperture. This not only makes it easier to see a scene in darker conditions, it allows more light in through the lens, thereby allowing you to shoot at lower ISOs. The quality of the images are usually better, and you can decrease depth of field more easily with prime lenses. There's one more important feature about lenses, the ability to either focus the lens manually or automatically. There are advantages and disadvantages to each mode. If you're shooting something that's moving, 
you have very little time to focus manually, autofocus is great. However, there are times when shooting manually is not only preferable for accuracy, but essential, such as when the lens is unable to focus automatically due to low light or subject placement within the scene. You should become familiar with this switch that allows you to choose manual or autofocus, keeping in mind that this switch has nothing to do with auto or manual exposure, something that my students sometimes get confused about. Now onto the camera body. One of the first things you need to become aware of on your DSLR is the image quality and size setting. You should always choose the highest quality for fine detail and the largest image size in order to get the most out of your images. The RAW or NEF setting will give you the very best image possible since the image is totally uncompressed, as a JPEG is, but it is a memory hog and use of Photoshop is usually required to make the best of a RAW image. Use RAW only if you want total control over every pixel of your image and you're willing to do some post-production work to render it. If you can't make up your mind whether to use RAW or JPEG fine, you can always select both simultaneously, again keeping in mind that your memory card is going to fill up quickly, plus rendering the images can actually slow you down on some cameras while waiting for the images to be written to your card. Another feature you should know about on your DSLR is the single and continuous frame setting. Choose single if you only want to shoot one frame when you depress the shutter release button. Choose continuous if you want to shoot several frames in rapid succession when you hold down the shutter release. Continuous is excellent for sports and action photography. Another good thing to do right from the get-go is to dedicate your memory card to your camera. You do this by formatting it. After you stick in your card, format it through the camera's menu as seen here. This will immediately erase all existing photos, but once you've done this the first time, your car will become a recognizable storage place for all your photos. Plus, it'll show up on your computer as your camera's name. This is also a quick way to erase all of your images after you've saved them to your computer, so you can start all over again. As already mentioned, shooting on auto or program is the most popular choice of exposure modes for general shooting conditions. It's great if you don't want to have to worry about things like ISO, shutter speed, or aperture settings, the three settings that determine proper exposure of a scene. As you learned in the All About Exposure lesson, which is lesson 10 on the app and episode 27 on the podcast, these factors work together to adjust how much light is needed for a scene so it doesn't turn out too dark or too light. When you're on the auto mode, your camera is going to randomly choose a relationship among these three factors that will render a properly exposed shot. But what if you want to have more control of your shots, such as purposely blurring something moving in a scene, or blurring the background of a portrait more than the auto setting is giving you? Or what if you want to shoot a night landscape of a city skyline, or a sunset, and the flash goes off and ruins the effect, or the resulting image is overly noisy or grainy? That's why you need to know how to use the mode dial to your advantage. Another thing to keep in mind is when you choose the auto setting on your mode dial, you're not able to adjust the ISO of your camera. In normal light conditions, this is usually okay. But if you're shooting night shots or low light situations, the quality of your images will suffer since the camera will automatically select the highest ISO available to try to set the correct exposure and keep a high enough shutter speed to avoid camera movement and thereby a crisp image. It's much better to use a tripod and one of the other mode settings such as shutter priority or manual with a lower ISO such as 400 or even 800 to avoid noise in your image. Noise is to digital images as grain is to images taken on film. 
Excessive noise or grain will render a lot of ugly spots and blotches that are quite distracting, especially if you choose to enlarge an image that was taken at a very high SO setting. So one of the first things you'll want to do when you decide to shoot on either manual, shutter priority, or aperture priority is to access your auto ISO setting in your camera's menu and turn it off and choose an ISO that's as low as you can use and still have enough light to get your desired shutter speed or aperture. You can use auto ISO if your camera has the option to select a maximum ISO and minimum shutter speed as seen here. I suggest you choose 1 60th of a second for the minimum shutter speed and a maximum ISO of either 400 or 800. This will allow you to shoot without having to worry about excessive noise or camera movement while on auto ISO. Well there you have it. Of course there's much more to learn about your DSLR, much more than I have time for in this episode. The best advice I can give you is to take the time to read your manual or your camera's on-screen guide if you have one. As with everything else of a technical nature, the more you know about your DSLR and the more you familiarize yourself with its features, the better photographer you'll become as a result. That's about it for this lesson. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.